interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. What's happening, Browns fans? My name is Brad Ward. This is All Eyes on Cleveland. We are back from a little hiatus. I know I put a little podcast out there, but I took a little break here after the end of the season. Got, you know, kicked the legs up. Not really. I've been working hard, but, you know, took a break. We are back. We'll be engaged in off-season stuff from here all the way through. So uh, if you missed us, uh, you know, we're back in full effect here. And tonight with special guest, friend of mine, friend of the show, colleague of mine, one of my favorite guests always, Josh Keatley. Uh, Josh, you can follow him on Twitter at JoshKeatley16. He writes for the Browns Wire and the Buckeyes Wire. He's a former Valparaiso running back and an alumni of Ohio State University. Josh, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Excited. Of, of course, always, sir. Always have you on uh, to talk some Browns football. Um, you're watching All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button down below. Um, and uh, tell a friend for sure as we close in on 2,000 subscribers at the channel here, and we're, we're making a push for that. So uh, we want to get that done soon. So it's real easy, you know, just take a half second, click the like button, and and then keep watching. Uh, so, Josh, let's uh, go back here. I kind of want to start tonight. You know, I haven't really talked much about it. I, I was on Sports for Cleveland with Dave Bacon the other day. That was cool. Got to talk a little Browns with him. Uh, I've done a couple guest appearances, but not much on this show. I did a little react before the Super Bowl show. Uh, on the podcast only side, but no video work. But he, so here we are back. Let's talk uh, Super Bowl. Uh, the Rams win the Super Bowl. Uh, Bengals had it in their clutches and, and lost it. Threw it, dropped, dropped it in the end. Thoughts on on the game? Uh, thoughts on the Bengals? Overarching thoughts you have about either team or or the game? Uh, general observations? I'll even take. Yeah, I, I you know I put money on the the Rams to to beat the Bengals by four by more than four and a half points. I felt pretty confident in that. And honestly, you know, the Bengals played great. Zach Taylor coached a hell of a game. Um, I, I went into the game thinking that the Bengals are going to get blown out. They've been outgained in every playoff game they played before that game. Uh, but they played great. They had a great game plan. They came out in five wide immediately. Joe Burrow got the ball away quickly. Um, Joe Mixon played great. They got a couple a couple decent runs. The offensive line played great for, you know, going against Aaron Donald, Von Miller, what can you expect? They played as good as possible. The Bengals' defense has always been pretty solid. Not great, but pretty solid. I thought they hung in there. So I was surprised. I came away with that more impressed with the Bengals than the Rams because the Bengals are kind of built for the long term. You know, uh, they were, This was a team that most people thought was going to win six games and they end up competing in the Super Bowl. So that's a little scary. You know, I think that the Browns, if you would have asked me three weeks ago, I still would have said with a lot of confidence that the Browns roster from top to bottom is more talented than the Bengals. But – I don't think that that's true anymore, man. Joe Burrow's young, and, and he's getting better. Every game he gets better. Jamar Chase, we see how electric he is. I mean, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, both those guys might have been number ones for us this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? C.J. Uzama, yeah. another, he, he's another decent tight end. Obviously, he wouldn't touch the Browns roster because that, that part of our roster is full. But, I mean, this is a team that's, you know, one offensive lineman away from winning the Super Bowl, you know. And Brandon yeah. was was supposed to start, and, and he got hurt. 
um, was it Scherf? I'm sorry. Whoever the right tackle was got yeah. hurt, replaced by the by the Buckeye, the former Buckeye on the right side, and that was kind of their their big Achilles heel. The offensive line could use some improvements, you know, in other spots too. But other than that, you know, you look at the defensive the defensive line too with Sam Hubbard, who's a very solid player. You know, uh, they're they're just good. They're just a very good team. Logan Wilson is an excellent linebacker. Jermaine Pratt is an excellent linebacker. This is a great team. They got a good kicker. You know, at the Browns got they got some catching up to do, man. They do. Good afternoon, Norman. Thanks for stopping in and saying hello in the chat there. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I thought honestly that Odell Beckham Jr.'s injury changed the game. Uh, I thought that the Bengals were going to have a real hard time slowing them down. At least mm-hmm. it appeared that way early, and when he got hurt. They went to more man-to-man. It was kind of like, okay, we're not so afraid anymore, right? Yes. Like, they went to more man-to-man. And the more man they played, the better they did um, against that Rams offense. And even on that last drive, I think in retrospect, if they went back and looked at it, they probably wish they would have ran man more on that last drive. Because when they were running man, there really wasn't a lot there. Uh, their defense was the surprise for me, uh, Josh. I was just overly impressed with the Bengals' defense and the way they played throughout the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. Second-half adjustments in every game. It seemed like they locked teams up in the second half of every game. Really impressive, I thought. But, um, you know, they call that secondary, you know, second chance you or whatever, you know, because all the guys back there. But, But no joke, they got some talented guys back there, and they were coached up. Um, and they did a really good job of, you know, slowing the Rams down in the second half and, and taking yeah. advantage of, uh, you know, the they they really put a stop to the run game completely, um, and throughout the game, and uh, I thought they did a great job shutting them down in the second half. I thought they had a really good chance to win that game. That drive. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have problems with calls on that drive. The Rams drive to take the lead, but I really don't. I thought it was called pretty. I mean, they were holds. I mean, they may not have been called been called holds all game, but they were called holds then. And, and if you go back and look at it, I mean, the guy was holding. So I, I know a lot of Bengals fans have a problem with those calls on the, at the end of that drive, but I thought they were pretty legit. I didn't have much issue with it. Uh, I did have an issue with the face mask uh, that the oh, Bengals yeah. got away with. But, you know, it is what it is. Let's uh, shift... Uh, towards the Browns here. Browns have a monster offseason ahead of them. Um, Critical, critical decisions to be made. Mary Kay Cabot came out with an article this week, uh, Josh, again, reiterating her strong feelings that the Browns are going to kick the tires on some veteran quarterbacks and maybe get aggressive out there. Uh, Do you feel that there is... Do you agree that's what we're going to see. Um, or do you do you think the Browns will get super aggressive and go after another quarterback? What do you, or do you think ultimately it's Baker in 2022? You know, I, I, we, we talked on the show a lot about this front office and what to expect from this front office. And we actually had this comp- conversation. It was either last year or two years ago, you and I, when the, the rumors were floating around that they reached out to Cam Newton. 
And I said, I'll stick to what I said back then. The Browns front office is really good at what they do because they are not afraid to look at every rock. Just because they, even if they have the utmost belief in Baker Mayfield, they're going to go out there. They're going to get the, you know, if they're going to see what, what it's going to take to bring in, you know, maybe it's Kirk Cousins or Kyler Murray. Are they going to try? Are they going to be quote unquote aggressive? No, I disagree with that entirely. I think that they know Baker is hurt. He played the majority of the year hurt. I think this is a front office that like him. Uh, I think that you, everybody saw shreds of points of greatness from Baker Mayfield in the past. I think that that's still there. I think that the focus is going to be getting him more weapons and figuring out once and for all, is he the dude moving forward? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, you're going to hear more rumors of them talking to this guy or that guy. But to get one of those top flight quarterbacks, they're going to have to spend up. And I don't see the Browns front office doing that. I see them, you know, talking, checking in, picking up the phone, but I don't see them pulling the trigger. Uh, it wouldn't be crazy for them to take a quarterback. I fully expect them to take a developmental quarterback either in the middle, yeah. middle or late rounds. You know, Caleb Ellerby from Western Michigan, that's a guy that I would probably have circled that kind of fits a lot of what the Browns are looking for, falls within the age guardrail, has a lot of potential, and that's a guy they're going to get in the fourth, fifth round. Uh, but I don't – as far as free agents go, man, I'd be, I'd be shocked. I would be shocked. I'm not going to be shocked by the rumors, but I'd be shocked if someone actually pulls the trigger. I could see them bringing in like an Andy Dalton or a Mitch Trubisky to sit the bench but not be a starter, but I don't see them yeah. pulling, pulling in a big fish. Yeah, I think it. I think you nailed it. Um, I think they'll do their due diligence, but ultimately, at the price point of eighteen million dollars, mm -hmm. uh, a healthy Baker Mayfield coming back, them having seen some of him being successful uh, when healthy, I think that they will kick the tires, see, see, you know, make some phone calls. I think we'll hear a ton of rumors. I think it's going to be rumor crazy, Josh. Just rumors everywhere. This guy, Browns are in on this guy. Browns are in on that guy. But ultimately, in the end, I think it'll be Baker again. Uh, because I just don't think that the guys that they're talking about, the Jimmy G's, the, uh, you know, the Derek Carrs of the world, these guys, I don't think they're upgrade enough to go asset crazy to get them i think they might be a slight upgrade but i don't think they're upgrade enough to really go crazy for and i think you i think it would be doing this in personally this this organization an injustice not to see baker out in a healthy fifth year at this point i don't think that those guys are an upgrade for baker at all to be quite honest with you i, I, I baker was hurt Baker was hurt. I, I think that Baker is one of the most accurate passers in the NFL when he's got everything going for him. I think he's great. I, I think he, he can be the guy. I still think he's a top – when fully healthy, he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. We saw it last year. I, I'm not giving up on him. I'm still, I'm still right here with it. Now, am I going to sit here and say that he's better than Aaron Rodgers? No, I'm not insane. But the guys that you're mentioning, they're you know that second tier. Maybe Derek Carr. Derek Carr has, has – a beautiful deep ball. You know, there are some games where it's like, wow, that guy throws a pretty, a really pretty ball. But yeah. uh, you know, I still, I still have Baker ahead of him. Yeah, uh, me too. I just, I just think that seems to make the most sense, especially at not costing that much this year, right? Like, yeah. it gives them a chance to do some other things with the roster. They have like twenty five million free right now, and then they have an opportunity. It makes a good segue for us to free up some more money here with some cuts and i want to talk about this these cuts to you and see where you are with this um there's some some pretty obvious ones right there's for me case keenum i think 
Case Keenum is a guy that you cut. I think he saves you like six or seven million dollars. Uh, I can bring it up here. Um, but yeah, I, I think he saves you six or seven million dollars. And uh, for me, they need, they didn't use him in big spots this year, right? When they could have. So if you're not going to use him, I, I think at this point they need to go to a higher upside backup. So in case the wheels completely fall off on Baker or say it goes all wrong, you at least have somebody that has a higher upside backup to step in. Uh, and I think that either is found in the draft or, like you said, maybe a Mitch Trubisky, giving somebody or, or a Mariota a second chance, give somebody a second chance um, that has a lot of talent. Thoughts on that? I like how I have to like look into it too, like squint, squint, yeah. Is it yeah, no, is it really you. small? No, no, really I, I, I can see it perfectly. I'm just laughing because these are numbers that I was I should be more in tune with, and I'm I'm simply not. But I, I agree with you. I believe our, our fearless leader Jared Mueller had had an article a couple weeks ago talking about the money on Case Keenum, and that was money that was money that I forgot about. I didn't like the Case Keenum signing. I don't think I never thought Case Keenum was that good. I know that Stefanski and him have a relationship. I don't really understand the whole hey the backup quarterback's got to be. I don't if if he's not if the backup quarterback's not going to develop into uh, develop into an asset either as a starter or someone you can trade away. I don't understand having it because if when your starting quarterback goes down, your team's not going to do well. That's just that's just the fact. You're just that that's going to be one position sure. where there's just too big of a drop off no matter where you go, right? Uh, you know the Eagles kind of did a really good job of that when they had um, Nick Foles and then they drafted Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz got good got rid of Nick Foles, you know, Sam, they had Sam Bradford for a short period of time, got rid of him for the Vikings. That's what you should be doing with your quarterback position, right? Either, either should be a guy that you want or a guy that you're developing that you can at least turn into assets. So I I'm with you, dude, get rid of Keenum. Like I said, go draft a guy like Caleb Ellerby. Maybe you can make him flash in the free agents or, you know, in, in the preseason enough to where you can get a couple picks for him, maybe a mid round pick, or maybe he develops into the guy you get rid of Baker. I don't know, but case Keenum, nobody wants, we're paying him too much. And if he plays, we're going to lose. So I don't understand the point of it. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and if you look at the money here, uh, you know, he played one game this year, right? And you paid him a lot of money. Uh, yeah. but I think it's the highest paid backup. But $6.1 million here, uh, this is their potential out year. But, you know, $6.1 million, 6 million base salary. He's going to get, you know, one point three is dead due to the signing bonus, you know. Uh, but this, this roster bonus right here will tell it all. $1 million, and that kicks in on the third Day, league uh, day of the league year, which will be, I think, March 19th. So the, I expect to see him cut before March 19th. That frees up like, oh, like $7 million right there on your backup quarterback. To me, that's a no-brainer, Josh. I, I 100% agree. I 100% agree. That's, that's a guy that I would put in the get-rid-of pile for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, this one gets a little more complicated, but I am firmly in the – well, I'm not firmly there. I guess I couldn't – really battle too hard with it but if we look at jc treader here okay and, and i don't know how you're going to feel about this one people are split mixed on this one but it, his salary has uh he, he has like 1.6 million dollars dead uh on his on his salary and he's set to make about 10 i think yeah that's right set to make uh eight nine ten somewhere around there and um, so they would, they could potentially save here with the roster bonus 
uh, a workout bonus in his $8 million. They could save, you know, a little over $8 million in cap space. Uh, where do they to cut him? I personally think um, that they like Nick Harris. I think they like Nick Harris a lot. And I think that good teams know when it's time to move on from a guy over the age of 30 and go to their successor. And in this case, I think Nick Harris is good enough to step in and play. I don't know how you feel about that. Dude, I love Nick Harris. Uh, it, it, the J.C. Treader thing, you and I have talked about him before. Cause I, I like J.C. Treader. I think he's a very solid player. Okay, yeah. But that that's all he is. And you're paying him. You can get a good, good top-level all pro level center for what you're paying JC Treader, right? You can complete this offensive line. He's probably the weak link. When that offensive line's healthy, he's the weak link. He's a very intelligent player. You know, he seems to always be in the right spot. He doesn't make, you know, dumb decisions as far as a blocker goes, and, and he always provides help when needed to, you know, to the nearest defender and all, and all that. He's very, very good, smart and valuable in that that way, but I, he's not great. You know, it's not like you see him bulldog people. It's not like he's, I just, Nick Harris, that, that's someone – I gave Nick Harris such a high grade coming out of Washington that I'm embarrassed to share it with you on this show. Uh, the, only reason I, <laughs> the only reason I think that he fell in the draft is because he, he has – I don't want to use the word sloppy, but he doesn't have the ideal body that you look for, right? But he's big. He's strong. He's powerful. He's got quick feet. We're talking about a player who dominated at Washington. You can find tape of him body bagging people yeah. from his time at Washington. He just doesn't have an aesthetically pleasing body. He's a little short. He's a little stubby. He's a little bit closer to uh, Danny Shelton, the last the last player we yeah. drafted from Washington. And that's not ideal, but you can still be a damn good player. That's just why he fell in the draft. But that's a guy that I think could be a top-flight center in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, in the game that he played, and it's a real small – Sample size, because Treader finally missed a game, finally, because of COVID protocols. I mean, he never misses a game. Uh, But Harris played well, I thought, um, and and, uh, just as well as Treader did. And the thing for me, too, kind of like the the final thing, it would be like, if they decide to keep him, fine. You you have a beautifully shored up interior uh, offensive line, right? Maybe, you know, a really good one in the NFL with their two guards in their center. But I think Nick Harris can do just as well as Treader. And and the other thing that bothers me, and not most people won't talk about this, Josh, but Treader being the president of the freaking uh, players union is a pain in the ass, I, in my opinion, because, you know, come spring ball and camps and workouts and all that stuff, they last year they all stayed away out of respect for Treader, where other teams were all there. Um, I get that, but to me, it's just kind of a pain in the ass that they shouldn't have to really... Like, you've noticed in the past, president of players' union often is is not long for rosters. <laughs> he often moved them up because it just brings along another handful of issues that you constantly have to deal with. Uh, and the Browns have enough of that nonsense, in my opinion. I, I don't I don't disagree with that. That's something that I would... I, I'm. I would not know, right? That's feel like that's more of like a locker room mentality thing. Sure. You know, it would be unfair for me to, to say. I know that you paid a close attention to this. This is something that you brought up multiple times, and it's something when you bring up facts like, oh, they're not, you know, the guys don't last on the roster, yada, yada, yada. You've always been right, so I would tend to agree with you. Um, but overall, I, you know, that you could put that in another the, the, the pile to get rid of him, and I'd be okay with it because I feel like that pile's already big enough. Like I said, he's a pretty average 
center. He's a pretty average center. He does, you know, yeah. maybe you could say slightly above average if you want. But for what we're paying him, I just I think that you could you could use that money elsewhere. Agreed. And and Harris has two. If if Harris were to start this year, that would give him two full years of starting on his rookie deal, yep. which really would free up financially some room for the Browns. You know before you decide whether you want to offer an extension or not. If you keep Treader for one more year, then you're talking about a one-year sample size of Harris, only one year on his rookie deal. It seems like a waste to me. It seems like if I were, you know, what would Bill Belichick do? It would be go to the successor, right? This guy is 31 years old. You've gotten his backup ready. It just seems obvious to me. Uh, I save a bunch of money that you can use elsewhere. I to me it seems obvious, but we'll see what happens with that. I think we're in agreement there. Now yep. we get to a really tricky one, um, which you know, I don't I don't really even know where I come out on this. I know where I kind of feel about it, but uh, and that's Jarvis Landry, and you know I think he's due to make like sixteen million dollars. I'm going to bring it up here, but go ahead and tell me what you think about what the Browns should do with Jarvis Landry. So I love Jarvis Landry. You and I have talked about it. He's not hit, hit, but I love Jarvis Landry. I want him here in Cleveland next year. I honestly think that he they figure out a way to keep him. Can they pay him what he's currently slated to make? No, based on his production, the, the you know his it, it's clear that his his production level, whether it's statistical or physically, is is going downhill, and that's fine. He's still a very good wide receiver, right? Just we cannot pay him that amount of money. I think that he is an intelligent guy. I think that they can restructure it and keep him here. I don't think he wants to leave. And I, I think that the Browns need to try to keep him here because we, we're trying to figure out what Baker has. We're not trying to – we're trying to add him to him his receiving core. We're not trying to take things away, right? You know, the Jamar Chase thing, drafting a wide receiver and expecting him to make an impact immediately is a little harsh, especially if you take away guys like Jarvis Landry who do what they do very well. So I, I would really do whatever I had to to keep him, but I don't debate the fact that he's getting paid a lot of cash. Yeah, I mean, you just can't justify $16 million with the production numbers he's put up, right? Um, but for to make the case the other way, if you look at his production in like 2020 and you were going to say, okay, let's let's restructure and let's go out and get somebody for under $10 million to fill out this wide receiver room, you would want that guy almost ideally to put up the numbers he put up in 2020. So if you give last year kind of a pass because there's a hurt quarterback, the yeah. offense was kind of a mess, eh, can you restructure around $10 million, $8 million, $9 million? I don't think Landry will do it. He hasn't given an interview uh, to anybody in, with the Browns since Odell left. I feel like this relationship may be fractured, but I want the Browns to try to do everything they can to restructure a deal. But you can't pay him $16 million. It has to be under 10 legitimately, in my opinion. Uh, and you could give him some more years. He owns a home here. You know, you can try to play to that thing, and maybe, maybe behind the scenes it isn't as bad as it seems from where we sit. But from where we sit, it seems like he's avoided the press altogether. He has been on the side firmly of his buddy, and he may be looking for greener grass as well. I, but I personally have a soft spot in my heart for drivers and will always want him to be a Brown because I think he kick-started this turnaround in the franchise. And we've talked about that a lot. He's the heart and soul for me. 
yeah, I, I personally I have no problem with them overpaying Jarvis. Um, I have the you know I have no problem having this conversation. I'm fully prepared to have this conversation again next year. I just don't think that that it can't happen at that number, right? Are they going to get under ten? You're that's a tough task. You're asking a lot, but I think that they yeah. can get around there, and okay. that would make me happier. Yeah, sure. I think I think so too. I think if you maybe added some get more guaranteed, you know, yeah. maybe another guaranteed year on and get it around ten, sure, I would certainly think about it. But they're going to need to attack, attack wide receiver in multiple fa- phases. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest Josh Keeley. Josh writes for the Browns Wire, the Buckeyes Wire. Uh, he was a running back at Valparaiso, and he's an alum of the Ohio State University. Good buddy friend on the show here, uh, lending his expertise today. Let's, you know, for me, free agency. They need to attack and and they need to remake this wide receiver room, right? It's a it's a their need number one for me. Do you agree with that, or do you think need number one is elsewhere? No, need number one's wide receiver. I I agree with that. I, I think that you could make an argument that you know you got to have you. Gotta, I think you can make the argument to adding to that defensive line. I think that there's an argument to be had. Yes, but in my eyes, That's, wide receiver is the number one the number one focus. And need number two for me is defensive tackle with edge as right there behind it depending on what happens with Clowney, right so yeah. let's let's take a look at wide receiver as need number one first here big name wide receivers in free agency for me never work out the deals never work out for me i don't think you go get your number one in free agency i think you do it at 13 in the draft do you agree with that i i, I have no problem with that that's what i'm expecting I do think the reason why you don't see the wide receivers of free agency, it's just like any position of free agency, right? You have to over free agency is the market to overpay guys, right? Yes. So when you're, when you knowingly overpay a guy to come in, well, you're already kind of setting, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that he's not, he's not going to live up to the amount that you know you overpaid for. Now, in this case, I would be okay with them overpaying for like, you know, the top guys are Devonte Adams, uh, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, because you're trying to figure out what the Browns aren't trying to win a Super Bowl right now. They're trying to figure out what they have in Baker. So if you have to overpay and make and pay the guy, you know, give Devontae Adams the most money in NFL history, that might be a sacrifice you have to make to make 100% sure that's what you got to do for Baker. Are they going to do that? I don't think so. This is not a free agency that does This is not a front office that does that. But it, I would, be, if they did it, I wouldn't be upset. Does, does, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes uh, sense. Kind of uh, I to- yeah, I totally get it. I think you'll have a hard time. You would have to overpay. I think the rap, and rightly so at this point, if you look at Odell Beckham Jr.'s time here, Landry's lack of production, uh, even going back to Austin Hooper, a guy that came in highly productive in the past game yeah. and has not put up numbers in this offense, it would be it's a hard sell, I think, to free agents right now to come say, hey, you're going to be really productive in this Browns offense. I think that money talks, you know, I think that the bigger, right. the, the more upsetting point is that, Hey, you know, we suck again. That's the, mo- <laughs> that's, that's the more, you know, because before we were able to flash a little bit like, Hey, we're on the rise. You want to be a part of this? We'll be a part of something special. And that's kind of down the toilet. I, I think that the Browns, eh. I think that the Browns treated Odell Beckham jr. More than fair. I thought that the, the I agree. 
the narrative during the Super Bowl is a little insane to me. Uh, insane. The, the Browns handled it as classy as they could. They didn't try to trade him to a team he didn't want to go to. Whatever. That's besides the point. I, want, I don't want to waste all your time about that. But I don't know how the players view that situation. You know, Odo no, you're my guess would be Odell You're absolutely Beck. right. You're absolutely right. Um, Andrew yeah. Barry handled that with pure perfectly. He he gave him a buyout. He yeah. he allowed him to go where he wanted to go. He didn't have to do any of that. No. And and that should be noticed by other players and hopefully it is. But the there was a crime what Collinsworth and Michaels did and talking about him getting kicked to the curb on during the Super Bowl. I mean that is outrageous. Uh a terrible uh, you know, interpretation of the situation and not fair to the organization at all. Go ahead. I didn't I mean to interrupt you. No, I, exactly. We, we share the same sentiment, but the problem is I don't know how the players view that, right? I look yeah. at it as an outsider. I look at it as someone who's relatively close to the Browns, follows the Browns day by day. You know, a guy like Devontae Adams, he may see that. He may talk to OBJ and he may get a different story. Well, if you're Devontae Adams, are you going to pick the Browns? They're not very good. they got a quarterback that's in flux, an offense that's not giving them the, the ball, the wide receiver the ball. And then you, you, you tack on the fact that they treated OBJ like crap or that you think that, that's not a good mixture. Now, I do think that an intelligent – and it's just like the, the whole, oh, well, this offense doesn't cater to wide receivers. An intelligent person, intelligent player, a free agent that's aware of what's going on, he's going to see that wide receiver room. He's going to see the issues that it had. He's going to see the, all the talent that had tight end. And he's going to be able to say, oh, well, if I'm there – it's going to be different. This is what they're yeah. trying to do. They just need me yeah. to do it. But again, I don't know. You're asking me to get in the mind of the players. And I, I think it's a, sure. lot easier. it's a lot easier to justify going to a place like, I don't know, let's say Baltimore. Baltimore is a team that they're trying to get more wide receivers there. The guys just keep getting hurt. Come on, you can be the missing piece. A team that wasn't, you know, that was great two years ago. They got an exciting quarterback, a dude that they have a lot of faith in. They throw the ball a lot to Mark Andrews. They need someone to spread the love. It's just a little bit more justifiable if I'm a free agent. But I don't know. Let me- let me ask you this, Josh. You sound down on the Browns a lot. You're kind of like, oh, they suck again, or they're down. <laughs> to, like, to me, I kind of just looked at last year as kind of like, hey, man, they were still right there with all the problems they had, all the injuries they had. They were still right there to get in the playoffs. They were there a year ago, uh, you know, a couple plays from the AFC Championship game. Their roster is still loaded. It's just needs tweaked. Some, you know, I think it just needs tweaked on offense. They need to regroup the their wide receiver room. I still look at them as a roster that is ready to explode. You don't? I, no, I, I don't. I'm I, using the word "suck" is is harsh. I shouldn't. I am. I am not as bad on them or as uh, negative on them as I may have sounded. I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of people that are watching it. Sure. If you're not close to the Browns, you see them being last in the AFC North. That's what you see, right? But you and I know different. You and I know that Eh. this team last year that was that was close. That was almost there. And a lot of injuries and a lot of bad luck happened to them this year. But with that said, you know, the rumors that people were thought that they were going to make a run at the Super Bowl this year. And I knew that's something that you and I talked about the preseason. I said, don't do that. Don't get your hopes up because they were they were further away than they were last year, but they're than they appeared or that the statue would show you. But they're also closer than they were this year that the statue would show you, right? Yeah. There are some missing pieces, like you said. Even last year, OBJ didn't mesh. We love OBJ. I love OBJ. You and I have had countless conversations about OBJ. He didn't mesh. He never meshed. So wide receiver was always going to be an issue, right? Jadavian Clowney, we always kind of knew he was going to be a Band-Aid, and now the interior defensive line is a little decimated, and now you got Malik McDowell, who's probably never going to play in the NFL again. 
right? The linebackers, there are a lot of young guys out there. Anthony Walker's the only one with any real experience. JOK played great, but he's still a young guy. We kind of knew that there were some issues that were probably ultimately going to hold them back. Now, what makes it worse is that the Bengals went to the Super Bowl, and they're in the AFC North, so that makes it even worse. But, you know, I, I think that this team is, is a couple pieces away, but they got to hit those couple of pieces. Speaking of... I think they will go to try to get their number one receiver at 13, personally. Who do you like best out of these guys? So, Drake London, 6'5", 210, USC, Garrett Wilson, six foot 182, Ohio State. We know about him, right? Uh, Jameson Williams. Uh, I, For me, he would be the guy for me minus the injury, right? So the injury kind of uh, towards ACL, right? Chris Olave, he's up there. Traylon Burks, very intriguing, 6'3", 225, uh, Arkansas. Uh, you know, so uh, these guys are kind of wi- widely renowned as the best of the guys, and I think that most of them, if not all of them, will be there at 13. Uh, thoughts on this and who you would take if you had the, the, your choice of all of these guys to to reset your, your wide receiver room for the Browns? Man, I, I really hope you can't hear that dog barking in the background. I mean, no, I can't. We're good. Because <laughs> yeah, I feel We're really good. bad about that. So, so I, I based off all the mock drafts that I've seen, all the information I see, I see Drake London off the board before 13 almost unanimously. Why? Really? I'm not really sure. This is a guy that's coming off of an injury, so I'm not really sure that why. He's a great deep threat, an awesome deep threat. Like you said, the size. Uh, he's got a, a significant explosion off the line of the scrimmage to get deep quick. Um, so I, I like him. He's not my favorite, though. Uh, the next okay. guy on the list. The next guy on the list is my favorite. Right now, full, full disclosure, I got to do a lot more film on a lot of those guys. I watch, as you said, I work right for Buckeyes Wire. So the Big Ten guys, I feel pretty confident. I know them like the back of my hand. A guy like Drake Lennon, I'm going to dive in a little bit deeper. But that is a guy that has the injury red flag, uh, you know, and that's a guy that I don't think he has the speed that some of those elite guys do. So that's just a, a little side note. Maybe I'll change my mind later. We'll see what happens. But that right now, that's where I stand. Garrett Wilson is a guy that I've been high on for a few years now. This he was a heavy hitting recruit, hit the field hard and fast early, and he stayed elite. He's gotten better every single year. He's six foot, over 190 pounds. This is a guy that you know the Buckeyes played him as returner. That's how explosive he is. He's a kind of guy you saw the Rams when they were in third and one, and they need to get that or fourth and one. They need to get that one yard, and they had so much faith in Cooper Cup. They did, did a, a, a they they did a motion with him to get the ball on fourth. They went. I mean, they didn't even go for They went horizontal before they went vertical in one of the most key plays of the game. Garrett Wilson is that kind of athlete. You're, you're wanting to talk about Jamar Chase and what Jamar Chase does and what he did last year for the Bengals. Garrett Wilson might be as close as you're going to get. You saw it at Ohio State when they were losing to Michigan, you know, where Chris Olave was hurt. Garrett Wilson was the dude. Ohio State found ways to give him the ball. He's a playmaker. He's sudden. He's, he's explosive. And he's a refined route runner, which is something that the Browns could use, right? Receivers kind of take a little longer time to develop. I don't. I think that that life is going to be a little shorter for him because he's so over the top. As a, He's a great route runner. So that there's some of that that the stuff that you have to work out as an NFL player. A lot of it's already there. A lot of it's already built in with him. Uh, you know, the next guy you point out, Jamison Williams, this is a guy that I see mocked to the Browns constantly. Uh, again, mm-hmm. I like Jamison Williams. I kind of put him in that second pile along with Drake London, a guy that's hurt. Uh, a guy that, you know, I, I'm never going to dismiss a guy for not being able to see the field, right, somewhere else. You, you know, that's how you get in trouble like Joe Burrow. But those are the facts. Last year, why would you? Why would I have him above a guy like Chris Olave who he couldn't beat out, right, or a guy above him above a guy like Garrett Wilson who he couldn't beat out, right? He's got that pure speed, which is great. Uh, you know, there's a, 
I think that for an NFL franchise like uh, I don't know, may, I'm trying I'm trying to think of a, a, a team that's drafting ahead of the Browns that maybe have an okay receiver group and just need that deep speed. That would be a good pick for them. That wouldn't be a reach for them at all because he yeah. does that one thing. He does that one thing really well, and he'll be in. He'll be healthy soon, right? I mean, you know, you talk about the Falcons. That may be a good pick for the Falcons because they got Kyle Pitts at tight end. So you got your middle route guy, and then you got your deep threat guy with Jamison Williams. But the Browns are looking for more like the total package, in my mind, right? A true number yeah. one can do it you all. You need a true number one, I, in my opinion. At every level. And and I think Garrett Wilson's more that guy. Chris Olave is another guy I love. Again, maybe that's the Big Ten bias coming out here. I like Garrett Wilson more, but Chris Olave is another guy who's explosive. He's one of those athletes where when you watch him, you don't really know why he's so, quote-unquote, smooth. But that's that's that is the descriptor that every single person uses with Chris Olave is smooth, and that's why that's why because when you watch him, you don't really know why, but he just looks like he just he runs, he just looks like he's floating, and, and that's how he plays football, and that's great. I think he can hit every single level. Another guy who's who's a great route runner that I can think that can play for the Browns from snap one. Uh, Traylon Burks, I like Traylon Burks. This is a guy that I thought I was high on heading into the year, and he kind of exploded, and now I think that I'm. Now, now I'm lower than everybody else. I don't know if I if I have him in the same category as Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Really? Okay. I, I, you know that I, I just that's not where I'm at on him yet. I don't. I, he hasn't showed me that at, at the level that Garrett will. I mean, Garrett Wilson has changed the game in so many ways. Jalen Burks is good. Again, I got I got to dive into the film on a couple of these guys a little bit deeper. That's just kind of yeah surface stuff, but. Garrett Wilson's a guy I've been high on for a long time, you know. And then this this wide receiver class is very deep too, you know. I I don't know if you saw my re- most recent mock draft, but I do mock drafts simulators where, uh, you know, I I have one version where I critique what they do, then I have one version where I do what I want to do. Uh, and there was yeah. one mock draft where I, I took three wide receivers in a row. I took David Bell in the second round right after taking Garrett Wilson, and then I took Romeo Dubs from Nevada in the third round. And I don't think that that would be insane. And then I took another no. wide receiver in the sixth round. So I took four wide receivers in one draft just because they all do something unique. They all they all bring a different trait, and they're all guys that I think are, are ready to play right now. So that's kind of that's kind of how I view it, you know. Josh, it seems like every year uh, this wide receiver, you know, wide receivers coming out of college are getting deeper and deeper and better and better, these classes. So it's very interesting and intriguing. And, and I think that the Browns should be aggressive. I think they need to draft multiple wide receivers here because you're going to miss on some. But I think that at 13, you really got to try to get your number one there because I think I favor that over going after your number one as a high-paid guy in free agency. I think you're better off – getting your supplementary pieces in free agency. Uh, and we'll talk about that. You know, that's a conversation for another day of what guys we like there. But you're the draft guy, and I want to hit on this real quick while I've got you, and then we'll get you. We'll get out of here, okay? Uh, so need two for me is defensive tackle, right? Like, and you've done the work on this. I have not yet. So let's go there. Uh, what if in round two, or let, let, me, let me start with this question. Do all of those wide receivers to you, does 13 warrant taking those guys there? Is there any of them that 13 would be a reach on? Uh, like, the, the thing Burks, about... Burks, maybe? The thing about Drake London, and he's going to he's gonna go that high. It, it, it's kind of a loaded question because whether I view it as a... For, I don't think any... I wouldn't be upset. I can You can justify any of them, okay? It, but it's just like, there are, like... I'm trying to think of an example. Romeo Dubs, the wide receiver from Nevada, okay? He's an excellent deep threat. What's the difference between him and Drake London? Drake London played at USC. So you can get a guy that may be a, a, maybe the same version but minus two rounds later, 
right? That's where you're seeing him. Um, if you can get a guy, I, I just think that if the, at number 13, if a guy like Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave is on the board, that's probably where you should lean because these are guys where you can, you've can you seen multiple games, multiple seasons of them taking over entire games with different quarterbacks and different quarterbacks of various levels. Sure. Right, so that that's sure. where I would go. Drake London's going to go high because he's so big, and I, I and I think that he's he's fast enough to where he's really gonna he's really gonna raise some eyebrows. Jamison Williams is going to go high too because he's so fast. He's just a pure deep threat. But that those are both guys that I wouldn't be upset if the Browns take. I think that they are justifiable there. I think even Traylon Burks is justifiable there. I just don't okay. see the day one impact that you might see with a guy like Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. Even a guy like David Bell from Purdue, he may not have all of the the you know the speed or the, he it's not that's what he's going to lack. He's going to lack the speed that those other guys have or the explosiveness that those other guys have. But this is a guy who's still 6 foot 2. This is one of the most productive receivers in college football multiple seasons in a row. This is a guy on an offense where he's getting du- not only is he getting bracket coverage, but a lot of times he's getting double coverage on top of the bracket coverage, okay? So he you, there's highlights of him with three dudes on him and he's still going up for the ball. He's got arguably yeah. the best hands in the class. That's a guy that I think can play day one. Is he going to be a bona fide number one pick? No, maybe not. Is, I mean, a number one receiver, maybe not because he doesn't have, he's not going to run a 4 4, but he's right. going to be damn close. He's going to be, and he's got great hands. So that, you know, if you can get a guy like that in the second round, that you, you can argue that. You can argue that that's a better pick than taking a guy that might be a one trick pony like Jameson Williams. 100%. Yeah, totally get that. All right. Let's let's finish up with you on this one. Defensive tackle, it, you know, one of the things that kind of lends itself to even wide receiver stronger one is there's not really a guy at their second need that you could qualify it taking at 13 in the defensive tackle class, right? Would you agree with that? I, I would agree with that. There, there's a couple guys that I think that can play both. You know, DeMarvin Leal. Uh, the defensive end from Texas and this is a guy that's 6'4", that's going to measure in it. He's going to weigh in at 290 or maybe over. So I think that he's explosive enough and a good enough pass rusher that you kind of want to stick him at defensive end. But if you re-sign Jadavion Clowney, 290 pounds is you, perfectly fine to play defensive tackle. So that that would be a guy that I would have circle circle George Karloftis. Uh, I've seen people have him listed as someone who can play both. I view him as more of a pure defensive end than DeMarvin Leal. But that's a guy that again, you know, at six four two seventy five, he's a very powerful guy. He's got a great anchor. Maybe if he puts on ten more pounds, which is totally possible with his frame, you know, both guys are in the age guard rail that you could play him at defensive tackle if you sign a guy like Jadavian Clowney. And I don't think there's any issue. I would take either one of those guys at thirteen and not be mad, not one bit. Okay, let's go to true interior defenders that they have on here. Okay, um, this is PFF, obviously. Let's. Uh, I don't know if I did that properly. I think I did. Okay, there we. Here we go. I like this guy a ton. If he was there in the second round, I would jump on him. But you said you like somebody else better than Devonte Wyatt, and you talk about the guys that you could justify taking early second round, right, with their second pick. Yeah, so I, the, the guys of Georgia, I like the guys of Georgia, the, the, but the, the comment, Jordan Davis is, I don't know why Jordan Davis is number two. To me, he's the number one defensive tackle. This is a guy who's okay. got, I think he's just phenomenal. Um, but some of those other guys, I think Jordan Davis can be way off the board by 13. But some of the other Georgia defensive tackles you're seeing mocked, uh, Trayvon Walker's the one that you see mocked more, more often. A lot of those guys win based off of their athleticism, so they're not really, as soon as someone gets their hands on them, they're kind of done. Right, so maybe that might not be someone that's as impact or it can make 
it, it can make an impact as soon as you'd like. So some guys that I kind of have circled that kind of win in a more all-around way is Tony uh, Tony Jones, defensive tackle from Connecticut. This is a guy who weighs well over 300 pounds. I think he's listed as 330. Um, you, you know, he, he was he was up there if you're scoring for him. This is a guy that was played very well at the Senior Bowl. This is a guy that played had double teams, triple teams, and I think he's got a pretty high ceiling. This was a guy that was recruited as an offensive lineman at Connecticut, and I don't think he moved made the switch over to defensive tackle until his second year on campus. So Travis I, I Jones. Travis Jones, I'm sorry, woo, geez, well that's embarrassing. You're all right, Travis Jones. Yeah, that, that that's a guy that I, I really like. I've I, I would take a swing on him. Early, um, you know, another guy that dominated the Senior Bowl's parent Winfrey. Uh, he was a tackle from Oklahoma. He was a guy that you see mocked four or five. You know, I've even seen some mocks with him in the sixth round. I don't think that's going to happen now because he absolutely dominated the Senior Bowl. This is another guy that has probably elevated himself to the second or third round. Uh, you know, I think that he can make it he can make an impact. These are guys that are, are more well-rounded. You know, I've seen them play with guys, get their hands on them and they've been able to make moves. They've been able to, to get themselves free shed blockers. Uh, you know, Travis Jones is big enough too, to where he really soaks up a lot of space. You kind of get back into that. We talked about, you know, Danny Shelton briefly. He's first of all, he's bigger than Danny Shelton because he's taller. Second of all, you know, you do need, it is nice to have someone that soaks up, just a big space eater, just a big space eating nose guard. Uh, why, why, you know, Miles Garrett and Jamie Clowney rip off the edge, and that that would kind of be your dude. Um, yeah, th- those are just some guys I like. You know, uh, there's some defensive ends that I'd probably take a crack at, or some edge rushers that are kind of unique. Boy Mafe from Minnesota, he's not going to play defensive tackle. He's kind of a tweener on the edge, but that's a guy who's a freak athlete that I would probably take a crack at. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm looking at. Okay. So there, are, you know, when it comes to, I don't know what pick will that be. Uh, if I do that in my in my brain here quickly, like, what like forty six, forty five, forty fourth in the second round, and then they pick seventy eighth in the third round. All right, forty four then, and in seventy eight, you said. Yeah. You know, these guys would be good picks. You think, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be mad at either one. Like I said. When I do a lot of mock draft simulations that I do, and again I write these all down in Browns Wire, there's still going to be a lot of wide receivers on the board. Um, yeah. That it's going to be really hard to uh, if you're if you're like me, your thought process is I need to figure out Baker Mayfield's the guy, right? So even yeah. if I take and address the wide receiver in the first round, if a guy like David Bell, George Pickens, uh, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama sitting there. It's going to be really hard for me to just ignore those guys and take a deep the tackle. Those are all guys that I think can play relatively, you know, pretty close to day one. Um, so that's kind of where I'm looking. Uh, you know, if George Car- if George Carlos, I would really doubt that he's going to fall to the second round. But that's a guy that I wouldn't be mad if they take him at the 13th pick because he is versatile and he can play. I think he's got, you know, starting day one potential. Interesting. Same with the Marvin Leal. Great stuff, buddy. Excellent stuff. You know, you are uh, all over this stuff, much farther ahead in your draft stuff than I am, so I appreciate your knowledge today. Uh, who did you say, Leal? Yeah, right DeMarvin Leal. is from Texas A&M. This is a guy, former five-star recor- recruit, 6'4", 290. Uh, he's 21 years old. He's a great pass rusher, equally uh, astounding against the run. He's a freak athlete. I think he was on Bruce Feldman's yearly freak list that he does for the athletic. This is a guy that, they're, that I'm thinking is just going to explode at the combine. And he, like I said, 290. He's going to play defensive end at a very high level at the NFL, in the NFL, and he's 290. So you could kick him down. If you plan on re-signing Jadavion Clowney, you could kick him down on the inside. I don't think that that would stop him not one bit. Yeah, 6'4", 290, you know, they got, you know, 
Leo has top 10 tools in mid-round tape. Uh, that's a tough combination to square, but 247 Sports has him with five stars. I mean, they like this guy. Obviously, the potential is there. And like you said, you could kick him inside if you needed to. Yeah, and there's athlete some, at 6'4", 290. Yeah, and I disagree with the mid-round. The, the mid-round, I'm not going to disagree. Everybody's take is just as value, valuable as mine. Yeah. Everybody has a different opinion. I think yeah. that there are flashes of not of, of not only first-round tape, but I'm talking about elite tape, okay? like, And you can find flashes of that for multiple seasons, right? Because this is not a guy that exploded this year. This is a guy that played, la, la, played very, at a very high level during points, Last year as well. Now, do you want that? Do you, you, you'd like to have a level of consistency, and I understand that, but I think that that's more what, what they're trying to say is that, like, hey, he's not he's not consistent, right? He'll have three good plays, and then he'll have seven where I don't even notice him. And that's an issue, especially if you're taking him with the 13th pick. But that's – you're kind of summarizing all the top guys in this class. K- Kayvon Thibodeau is not even going to sniff near 13, and you, you, I basically just gave you his scouting report too, a guy that would make be really good for three plays and then non-existent for seven. And he's going to go in the top five. Interesting. Very interesting stuff. Excellent stuff from you. Um, as far as going back to wide receiver, is there anybody that you really like in free agency down the board here? Because there's a lot of it's a deep kind of a deep free agent class, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, anybody that jumps off the page to you to fill out this room, like I, I like Christian Kirk a lot. I think that would be a great get. Uh, you know, I, I I like Russell Gage a lot. Uh, I think that would be a good get. Uh, but you know, I. I, going into free agency, the top guy that I wanted was Gallup, right? Um, to come in as the Browns two or three or whatever. Would you still go after him despite the injury at the end yeah. of the year like that? hundred percent, hundred percent. I have no problem with that. At all. You, you know, I, I honestly, I would hope that the injury makes it makes him his contract a little bit more doable, um, reasonable, right? Yeah, yeah you, you would think because I mean that's another that's a guy who's got. I mean, at one point, I thought he could be a number one, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I did, too. I, I've always been kind of high on him, and he just kind of fell out of the background because all the talent in Dallas. But even with all that talent around him, it always seemed like he's the guy catching balls every game I watch, you know? Yeah. He's just a high-volume guy that goes out and gets open, and, and yeah. I think that's something the Browns really need. Yeah, and Will Fuller was a guy that, that was lower on that list, too. Yes. He, he kind of had – he did not succeed in Miami at all. Um but we know he has a Tough lot of year. Yeah, but and a lot of that was on him, right? I think he got busted for PEDs and whatnot. Um, so he's not completely free of that. And he, he had injuries both, I think, to his 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 hands, his fingers, and his legs. So there's a lot. There's a, a little bit of a, a harder pill to swallow with Will Fuller. But we know he has the speed, right? We talked about you know Drake London, Jamison Williams. Will Fuller, has, if you want to fill that gap and maybe don't want to utilize that 13th pick to do it, Will Fuller can provide that to you. He's like an Anthony Schwartz, you know, only plussed up a little bit, a little bit more mature, right? He's been a sure. Bit. So yeah. that might be a route. I, and he, that shouldn't be a guy that breaks the bank. That might be, you know, a route that I'd be willing to take. Yeah, I would listen to that. I would listen to Cedric Wilson, too. I know, you know, he's another guy that I liked uh, a lot in Dallas, you know. Um that I wouldn't hate. I wouldn't go for any of these older guys. I'm definitely going for a younger receiver. You think Rashard Higgins' time is done in Cleveland? I hope not. If I had to put money on, I bet he's back. But you really, know, if I had to put because he, he did the same thing last year, he does this. You know, I just don't. 
I don't know what the market is for him. I don't. I don't think it's very high. I mean, you there just won't look, be much of one. I don't. Yeah, think. you know, and even some of the guys that are listed lower than him, they had more productive years than him. I, I like Richard Higgins. That's a guy I was very high on coming out of Colorado State. You know, I know I talk in pretty much every podcast that brings up Richard Higgins. I have to throw out there that he single handedly won me my college football fantasy year. <laughs> how productive he was. So I love I love Rashard Higgins. That's a guy you know I've talked to in person a few times. I, I a big big fan, but you know I don't know what the market's going to be for him. So I would think that he's probably going to be back. Interesting. And I think that's a good thing. I think that he does what he does really well. Yeah, he does. Uh, they just have been so like last year. They you know just he he must not practice well or something because he just finds himself further and further down the depth chart and. All yeah. he does is perform well in games, and I just have never understood it. Um, what do you think of DJ Shark Jr.? I, I love him. I'm a big fan of him, too. That's another guy with some deep speed. Uh, I think that he's probably – I know he, he's listed as right above Will Fuller. Well, no, he's 30. He's th- I was going to say he's he's someone that I would think is quite a bit – it's going to break the bank a little bit more than Fuller. Uh, you know, on your screen, he's right above him, but, you know, he's 51 compared to Will Fuller, 89. That's about right because that's a guy that just had one injury – in one place, he who's a lot younger, um, but he can. He, I like him. I was a big fan of him when Jacksonville drafted him out of LSU. Uh, he's got. He, he's good. He's he's good. I think he's got number one potential. So, but again, I think he's going to be a little bit more expensive. What the Browns might be willing to give up, but we'll see. Yeah, thirteen million a year. They got Fuller at ten a year. Um, see, that would surprise me if they're that close and in, in money wise. Because Wolf yeah. has so much more baggage. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I, you know, I think they probably maybe try to fill out the roster with guys more like Gage, Cedric Wilson. Uh, I can imagine them going for one guy in this middle tier from like 8 to $12 million. I think they could go for one receiver in that range. Uh, and maybe you could get a Kirk in there, right? That would be a good one, too. I'm, I'm yeah. high on Kirk. I think he kind of got more or less screwed at Arizona. They kept adding talent, and he kept getting pushed down. But I'm a He's big a, fan of Christian Kirk. I think if you can give him a spotlight or give him a shot, he could really surprise some people. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if you add that one and you add that, you know, the right guy is a mid-tier right uh, receiver, depending on no matter what happens with Landry or not, I think you're going to be okay with DPJ and then add some depth in the draft and maybe another guy in free agency – Numbers. You got to throw numbers at this problem, in my opinion, and and let it shake out. Right, a couple guys in the draft, a couple guys in free agency, and let's see what we can get out of that wide receiver room. It needs a massive improvement, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and I, I think that one of the reasons why we saw it, it's funny because I don't think that the receiver room was bad last year. I don't think it's bad this year. I just think that you they went in this year thinking the OBJ was going to be a major part of it, right? And when you're filling out, it's kind of like it's kind of like you know doing your day job, right? If I'm if I'm the guy that adjusts the claims, and the the agent quits, now I got to be the agent and the adjuster. That's too that's too much for me to do, right? And that's kind of yeah. what happened with the Browns receiver room. They had guys that had specific roles that they were going to fill, and then when OBJ left, it was like, okay, well, someone's got to be the number one, and none of them were ready to step up for that. So I don't necessarily think that they're. It's a bad room. You know, Anthony Schwartz is an exciting player. DPJ, I know you were high on him. I'm fairly high on him. I like Jarvis Landry. Rashard Higgins, we talk about, you know, despite him not seeing as much time as we think, he's a fairly productive player. Uh, you know, Demetri even Felton. 
yeah, Demetrius Felton was a guy that I I thought was a very solid pick at UCLA. Another versatile guy that could play the slot, uh, kind of like you know if you remember Michael Wiley from Ohio State, he's a little bit a little bit like that in that form, that regard. Uh, Ryan Switzer was a guy that I, I think that if he can get healthy, can see the field a little bit. I don't think it's a bad room. It's just there's no, it's not a it's not a bad room. It's just not a good room. Yeah, I, I can listen to that. Hey, great job tonight, Josh. You're fantastic. Always do a great job with the draft and all your opinions. I appreciate your time, man. I know we had to reschedule a few times, but great job. Uh, we're going to get up and out of here. Any uh, final words for us here today? That's it, man. You know, just check out my work at Browns Wire and Buckeyes Wire. And we got a new podcast on Adam Moore's post called Out of Bounds that he's sharing on YouTube. So keep an eye out for that, too. It's pretty fun. Awesome. You've been watching All Eyes on Cleveland special guest Josh Keatley tonight here kind of uh, prefacing, getting a first look here at our offseason. We're going to dive much deeper into free agency and all of the things more, but we got to cuts. We got to some draft stuff, early draft stuff with the late rounds Raider. We got plenty of content to come. Hit the uh, like button, hit subscribe and the notification bell so you know when we're coming live. And thanks again to Josh Keeley, the man, the myth, the legend. And with that, we are out here at All Eyes on Cleveland. Have a lovely Sunday evening.